Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks about a particular romantic relationship type that we see in the world of mental health treatment. And this would be an individual with borderline personality disorder who's with an individual who has antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy. And I've also heard this question asked where the person had narcissism. So for this video, I'm really going to center in on borderline personality disorder on one side and psychopathy on the other side, because psychopathy really covers a lot of these other characteristics, like the characteristics we see with antisocial personality disorder and that we would see with narcissistic personality disorder. As I describe these romantic relationships in this video, I'm going to be using the example of a woman who has borderline personality disorder and a man who has psychopathic characteristics. So a heterosexual couple with that breakdown in terms of the characteristics. Now, of course, we know this can occur the other way around. And we also know that comorbidity is very high between borderline personality disorder and psychopathy. So that makes the romantic relationships here a little more complex. So I'm going to look at the science here and describe these different traits and then also look at my clinical experience in working with couples that would fall into this category. So now taking a look at borderline personality disorder, it's a cluster B personality disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, so it's in the Dramatic Erratic Cluster, and there are nine symptom criteria for this disorder. And as I go through these criteria, I think it's going to become fairly clear why borderline personality disorder can cause a disruption in relationships. So we see with the symptom criteria, frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, an unstable relationship pattern, so idealizing a romantic partner, then devaluing them, identity disturbance, so a problem with self-image, impulsivity in at least two areas that can be self-damaging, suicidal behavior, affective instability, which means somebody has difficulty regulating their mood, a chronic feeling of emptiness, inappropriate or intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, and paranoid ideation or dissociation. So that's borderline personality disorder. Now moving over to psychopathy, again, I'm not necessarily looking at antisocial personality disorder, but rather psychopathy in general. And we see two types of psychopathy, factor one and factor two, and sometimes these are called primary or secondary. So with factor one psychopathy, we see characteristics like grandiosity, which overlaps with narcissism, 
We see pathological lying, manipulation, having superficial charm, being callous or unemotional, so a lack of empathy, and also lacking guilt or remorse. With factor two psychopathy, again, this is called secondary psychopathy, we see a parasitic lifestyle, sensation-seeking, so somebody tends to get bored quickly, impulsivity, irresponsibility, not having long-term goals, and involving oneself in criminality, so committing crimes. Now, factor two psychopathy has a close alignment with antisocial personality disorder, but they're not exactly the same thing. So now in terms of relationships, romantic relationships, and how these different characteristics, borderline and psychopathic characteristics, can affect these relationships, if we take a look at borderline personality disorder, we see a lot of different characteristics in terms of relationships that are associated with this disorder. For example, having tumultuous relationships. This seems pretty obvious from the symptom criteria. We see a large number of individuals with borderline personality disorder in relationships experience physical violence. About 70% of people in this category will experience physical violence in the last year. We see frequent terminations and reunions in these relationships. So people break up and then get back together. We see that in terms of the partners of individuals with borderline personality disorder. Again, the individual with BPD being female and the partner being male. We see that in terms of the partners, 50% of those men, those partners of the people with BPD, meet one of the criteria for antisocial personality disorder. So that's much higher than we'd expect just through random error, just what we'd see in the population. So there's some sort of dynamic that goes on here where individuals with borderline personality disorder are more likely to be with somebody who has, again, one of the criteria met for antisocial personality disorder, but of course there can be more than one in many instances as well. So there's an overrepresentation of psychopathic characteristics in these relationships, in the men in these relationships. We also see with borderline personality disorder lower relationship satisfaction in general. So just looking at the borderline side of this, we already see a lot of difficulties with relationships. If we move over to the psychopathic side here, so again, in my example, this would be the male in the relationship. We see a lot of different effects on the relationship, a lot of different characteristics associated with the relationship. I'm just going to point out a couple here that I think are particularly important. We see a negative association between psychopathy and romantic relationship quality. So that's fairly important. And we see that psychopathy is negatively correlated with a desire for a long-term relationship. So individuals who are psychopathic tend to seek short-term relationships. So here, just looking at the psychopathic side, again, we also see difficulties. So we bring together borderline traits and psychopathic traits. Again, it's really no surprise that we would see a lot of difficulties in these relationships. Now, before I get to the clinical experience component, where I talk about my experience working with couples who fall in this category, I want to touch on anger. Because one of the reasons that these relationships tend to be so problematic is because of the anger level or the aggression level, or really both. And we see both anger and aggression on both sides of this equation, the borderline side and the psychopathic side. So taking a look at BPD in terms of anger and aggression, we see with borderline personality disorder, the anger tends to be reactive and not instrumental. So it's an emotional reaction and not done for some sort of other purpose. And we also see that this anger is much stronger in romantic relationships. Now, what we believe happens here is impulsivity combines with anger, and this is what often leads to aggression. We also see a higher level of threat 
hypersensitivity. So individuals with BPD tend to see threats where there may not be threats. For example, they have difficulty disengaging from negative facial expressions, and that means they're going to be more likely to engage in aggression. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, with empathy, we also have an interesting kind of dynamic that emerges, and it's really interesting when we compare it to psychopathy, which I'll get to in a moment. But in terms of borderline, what we see with empathy is that cognitive empathy, so that's the ability to infer another's mental state, so the ability to understand how somebody's feeling cognitively, this is decreased with borderline personality disorder. But affective empathy, the ability to share someone else's emotions or feelings, that's intact. So cognitive empathy decreased, affective empathy intact. Now when we move to psychopathy. We see a lot of factors here around anger and aggression as well, but it's different depending on whether it's factor one or factor two. So factor one aggression tends to be predatory. So this type of aggression would be instrumental. So it's an act of violence that has a purpose. And in a sense, a lot of times it's controlled and there's a lack of emotional display during the aggression. So this really reflects aggression in the service of some sort of premeditated or anticipated goal. Now with factor two psychopathy, we see affective aggression, so impulsive, defensive, and reactive. So this reflects an act of aggression in response to a perceived threat. So that's interesting if we compare that to the threat sensitivity with borderline, and then we look at factor two psychopathy and we see this aggression in response to a perceived threat. So this becomes, again, kind of volatile in these relationships. Now, I mentioned the empathy component with borderline personality disorder and talked about how the cognitive empathy was decreased and the affective empathy was intact. When we look at psychopathy and narcissism, including narcissistic personality disorder, we see that the cognitive empathy is intact. So individuals with these characteristics are able to understand how other people feel but the affective empathy appears to be decreased in a lot of cases. So really, it's the opposite profile as we move from borderline to psychopathy and narcissism. So somebody with borderline traits can feel what someone else is feeling, but not understand it. And someone with psychopathy and narcissism can understand what somebody is feeling, but not feel it. Now, this is a simplification, but in general, that's what we see. So it becomes fairly obvious that this doesn't make for great communication. So those are the descriptions for borderline and psychopathy and to some extent narcissism and what we see with anger. But what about my clinical experience? What about my experience working with couples that fall into this category where you have a woman in the couple who has BPD and a man who has psychopathy or narcissism? 
Well, I've treated a number of people, a number of couples that fall into this category. And I've also supervised a number of clinicians who have had clients that fall in this category. And the first thing that really comes to my mind is that a number of mental health clinicians really dread this particular presentation. And I think there are a few reasons for this. One is that the courts seem to be involved in a lot of these couples' lives on one side or the other. I think another reason is that the presentations of borderline personality disorder and the presentations associated with psychopathy, like antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder, these tend to be challenging presentations all by themselves. But when you have people coming together and you have both of these sides represented, that makes the presentation even more challenging. So you may be doing okay therapeutically with the person with borderline personality disorder, but there's trouble in terms of the person with psychopathy, or the opposite could be happening, or both people could be kind of calling in between sessions and expressing different concerns. And it gets kind of worrisome in particular when there's some sort of violence or suicidal threat going on. So that would be my first observation. Mental health clinicians generally do not like these types of cases, or at least they wouldn't want to have a high number of these types of couples on their caseload. The next thing I've noticed clinically is that the comorbidity with borderline and psychopathy and narcissism is very high. And again, this just makes the whole situation complex. So we're not really often dealing with a situation where the woman in the couple only has borderline personality disorder and the man in the couple only has antisocial or narcissistic personality disorder. There's so much comorbidity, there's so much co-occurrence with these types of disorders that you might see, for example, somebody with BPD, but also NPD, or histrionic personality disorder, or depression, or substance use disorder, or some other comorbid condition. So again, it just raises the complexity level by quite a bit. The next feature of these relationships I've noticed is they tend to be highly intense. There's a lot of drama, and there are a lot of changes going on, like somebody moving into a house with somebody else, somebody moving out, a lot of affairs, so infidelity. So just a lot of updates, a lot of status updates in comparison to couples that do not have these disorders. So kind of in line with this, we also see that these relationships are really emotionally charged, but they seem to lack any type of real depth or understanding. So they might appear strong, like you'll see phrases like from one of the people, they'll say, well, I would die for the other person. And another person will say, well, I would die for that person. The people in these couples don't really seem to always understand each other at a really profound or deep level. There's a lot of energy, but not a lot of understanding. Now, this could partially be because of the empathy deficits I talked about before, but there could also be other reasons here. Another thing I've noticed with these relationships is the sex is frequent in these relationships, but it seems to be used in place of other perhaps more meaningful forms of communication given the level of the relationship, given the status of the relationship. So like an incredible fight will occur, maybe even a fight with physical violence. And instead of taking time apart and kind of reassessing the relationship and maybe navigating it a little more carefully, the couple is having sex. And it's sex that I guess is intended to kind of heal the wounds of the relationship. And of course, we know that almost never works. That's not a good tactic for fixing relationships. Another characteristic of these relationships is that there's a lot of arguing and fighting. And what you see happens is other people try to get in the middle of this, like family members, perhaps children, neighbors, and that person for sure is going to lose. 
these are fights where people really can't get in between. Maybe the exception would be the police. And I do see a lot of police involvement with these couples, almost to the point where it becomes normalized by the couple. Like if we talk into the couple and you'll ask them how the week went or how the last couple weeks have gone, and they say, well, you know, the police were out a couple times. So that's highly irregular, of course, for a couple without these disorders. We don't really see the police coming out to visit couples often, right? Maybe occasionally throughout many years if there's some sort of domestic violence situation. But in terms of a weekly basis or a monthly basis, that's really more associated with these types of relationships. Kind of in line with this, we also see different types of orders that are issued by the court are often ignored. So specifically like a protection from abuse order, which is called something different depending on the jurisdiction. Here in Delaware, it's called a PFA. But a lot of times these types of orders where the court says that one person has to stay away from the other, these are just ignored all the time in these relationships, at least in my experience. And they might be ignored five or six times. The people might have contact and it takes that many times for somebody to call the police and for the party with the PFA to be arrested. And sometimes the police are never called and they're never arrested. So just kind of a disregard for what the courts try to do in terms of separating the people. Now, in terms of discussing how the characteristics affect the different people, I also see here that a lot of times the couple is open to the idea that personality factors and other mental disorders may be playing a role in the relationship, but they're very rarely willing to do something about it, which is actually pretty common with personality disorders. Somebody with a personality disorder is likely to tell a clinician that they recognize the different attributes of the disorder, but then in terms of like the homework for the week, following up and trying to address the concerns, they don't often take action. So with a couple, of course, we just see this on both sides of the equation. So they may be open to recognizing their own problems and the difficulties with their partner, but again, action isn't what we see as a result very often. So the last area here I'm going to look at in terms of clinical experience is specific circumstances for the woman with BPD and the man with psychopathy. So I'm going to use kind of a person A, person B scenario just to make this a little more expedited. So person A would be the male with psychopathy or narcissism or antisocial personality disorder, and person B would be the female with borderline personality disorder. So what I've noticed clinically is that person A is a lot more likely to be not stressed out, to have a lower stress level about the different arguments in the relationship, so to be calm. And person B, their very existence, as they perceive it, could hang in the balance with these relationships. So there's a lot of differences in terms of how serious person A takes the troubles of the relationship as compared to person B. And this is really a function in part of psychopathy, which has low neuroticism, and borderline personality disorder, which has the self-image difficulties and the fear of abandonment. So these things kind of come together to create this dichotomy I've noticed. Also, person A is at a greater likelihood to commit severe violence. So violence occurs on both sides of these relationships, but person A is the one who's more likely to have kind of a serious charge filed against them because of an act of violence. Person B is more likely to be a suicide risk in most of the situations I've seen, but of course there are exceptions to that, and that is, of course, highly consistent with borderline personality disorder. And person B is also more likely to seek treatment. So in terms of a clinical perspective, person B is usually the individual that mental health clinicians will see first, and then person A gets involved in terms of treatment. 
Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. It is from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.